Yo, this is your boy, buddy, you. I'm Draymond Green. Hey, y'all, this is John Quell John. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged in. Logged on. You're logged on to the 10th year seniors. The 10th year seniors.com. 10th year seniors.com. You're logging in with 10th year senior. Get Welcome to the 10th year seniors podcast network. This is long range two pointers. And what you just heard was the voice of a Bahamian hero. If you haven't heard by now, and I'm sure everybody has, there was a moment in the Kings-Raptors game. Of course, the Raptors ended up winning that game 118-113, but the storyline afterwards was the fact that the Kings trailed by three. There was an opportunity to put Buddy Heald in the game, and it stands to reason that you would put one of the elite three-point shooters in the game in that situation. But that's not what happened, John. Luke Walton decided to ride it out with his guys, who he said was having a great fourth quarter. Even though they were all in negatives with the plus minus. Did not put Buddy in the game. And there was a fan court side that just lost his shit and started (laughs) calling Luke Walton an idiot, asking why Buddy wasn't in the game. And like I said, he's now a Bahamian hero. We love him. So to get more insight into this, we decided to hit up our boys at Cowbell Kingdom. You've heard us work with them at times in the past. We've been on their pod. They've been on our pod. Leo Bias, thanks for joining us. What's up, guys? I'm super excited to be here. Uh, we just got out of a meeting, both Eman and I, and uh, we're ready to talk some Kings basketball, but most importantly, some Bahamian buddy heel basketball. So first of all, my first question the sentiment that was coming from that anonymous fan in the crowd, is that what most Sacramento Kings fans think in this moment? Or was he like a lone wolf kind of guy and that's not really what people are saying? Are people buying into this Luke rotation or do you have that groundswell of opinion of people going, what the hell is happening with Buddy? I would say in that particular moment, about 80% of the Kings, of Kings fans were upset and the other 20% thought that, well, he was cold in the fourth, or he didn't play in the fourth, so why would you play him in the fourth in those moments? So they were in the minority for sure. Uh, I did see some of that, but the vast majority, I would say, were upset that he didn't go in the game, but, you know, down three and with an opportunity to tie the game and potentially send, send it into overtime. Uh, it goes back to what E-Man said. If you're going to put in specialty players like, a Baysmore and a Corey Joseph for defense, why wouldn't you put a specialty player on offense like a Buddy Hield? Even in moments like that where he didn't play, you know, the fourth quarter. But we all know that he's a top three shooter in the world and that the Raptors defense would have probably stayed home on him and created more space for a guy like De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, someone would have probably been open, but it goes back to you saying – you know, specialty players, the Baysmores, the Josephs. We've been noticing that Buddy's minutes have been getting cut tremendously with Kent Baysmore. What's the the talks in Sacramento been? Is it just because of his alleged poor defense that Baysmore gets more minutes? Because I hate that whole defensive argument because I don't find it to be as true as people want it, as people make it out to be. I agree a thousand percent with that. Actually, Buddy's been playing really well the past seven games on defense. Uh, but... It has something to do with that. I, I've always said this. Buddy Hill is not built to play defense. He 
does enough on offense for me to keep him out there, and Buddy should be averaging at least 30 minutes a game at the bare minimum. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, actually, both Ema and I were having this conversation about, well, if you know Buddy is not good at certain things, like bringing the ball up, like initiating an offense, then why the hell do you put him in those situations to fail? It's like you want him to fail, and then you ask him to do something. Obviously, Buddy's going to say, yes, of course, I'm a competitor. But then you get mad when he does turn the ball over, when, when he doesn't have a live dribble. So my thing is, don't put him in those situations to fail, and put him in situations to succeed, like coming off the screens, giving him a live dribble, uh, things like that, man. So... Can't base more. He's a good basketball player, but I would not be playing them over over Buddy. Does Luke Walton like draw plays up, or <laughs> does he literally just say, "Hey guys, go on the court and do what you want to do"? Just free reel it. Yeah, that's uh, that's the same question that we kind of ask ourselves at times. He has really good HPOs, I would say, but a lot of the times, I feel like they resort to a lot of ISO back. I, isolation basketball, as they did with the Lakers, and I, I use the analogy of Brandon Ingram being in that situation last year and now becoming an all-star, he's in a better system now, uh, I, I, I just don't get it, like last year, I would say Dave used bogey a lot more at the point, at the back of point, which suits his skill set, but it doesn't suit uh, Buddy's skill set, Buddy can create his own shot, with the live dribble, though. Like, I don't want Buddy ever bringing up the ball, like, ever. Yeah. But Walton continues to allow him, which doesn't make any sense to me. Just because you scored three threes in a row doesn't give you the right to initiate the offense. And Buddy's hard-headed. We, we all know that. But you need a strong enough coach to say, you know what, go play your role and be great at it. And I feel like this year... He's been set up to fail. Yeah, and that to me, that's been the biggest issue. Just looking at the steps that this team made last year when, when Dave was there, and now you have Luke coming in. We all know how fast-paced this team played last year. Buddy and De'Aaron Fox led it. I think it was the fastest pace in the yeah. entire league, and Buddy had that breakout season. But now you have Luke coming in, and there's a change in the way you use your personnel. And I think it speaks to what you were saying just now, even bringing up Brandon Ingram. Is this just Luke's lack of, I guess, knowledge of his personnel and how to use them in the best possible way. Yes, a thousand percent. That's that's what I think. Uh, again, Brandon Ingram is a great, great example of that. Josh Hart is a good example of that. Lonzo Ball is a good example of that. Uh, it just seems like those guys are having better seasons. It, look, role players and very good players will always look better in the right situation, in the right system. Great players will look great in any system. You know, Buddy Heald, Ingram. Oh, Ingram is, you know, going towards being a great player, but right now he's, I would say he's still, like, you know, that all-star but not, like, superstar type player. Those guys need to be in the right system. Uh, systems are very important for those type of guys, and coaching matters. I just feel like Buddy is, again, he's been – being set up to fail, and if I was Luke, I would use him a lot differently and pretty much expose his strengths and not his weaknesses. But he, he has a lot of weaknesses, so it's like, okay, he can't do this. Well, what, what am I going to do as a coach to counter that? 
because obviously uh, opposing coaches want Buddy Hill to bring the ball up and take him out of his rhythm, and that's how you do it. You put a long athletic defender, and you know that's as a coach though you have to be able to counter that and then you know give him the best chance to shine. Like this reminds me of when he was in New Orleans with Gentry, and. It was the whole, oh, he's got to know his role. He's a rookie type thing. And I feel that, not that Buddy lacks confidence, but it, it hurts as a player knowing that, well, feeling that you're one of the best options and not being able to play. I mean, we heard that Buddy declined interviews after the game um, uh, against Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's his mindset? Because I know you talk to Buddy. We know Buddy. Like, what's his mindset going on? Or what do you think, it, like, what's going on in his head? I, I mean, I still spoke to him. I, I was the only one. Obviously, it was off the record. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was definitely upset. And I'm so happy he, he uh, declined it. Because as you know, he speaks his mind. Sometimes yeah. I cross yeah. the right way. Yeah. And that would have been, as E-Man likes to say, juicy quotes. Yeah. Which would not have been a good look. Because you kind of know how buddy is. Uh, and from a VR standpoint, I'm glad he flying the interview he's definitely not happy I think it's not that he's coming off the bench I believe he's okay with that the problem is that he's getting bench roll minutes which is a huge difference of being a six man but being a six man that plays you know Ginobili type minutes or a Ginobili type Lou Williams role. type stuff yeah that's, 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 that's different than actually playing a bench roll type uh, role you know what I mean so I think that's where his frustrations lie right now. So what has that, has this created somewhat of a tension in the locker room? Because I know how the season started with, with the contract negotiations and, you know, Buddy was saying some things that, you know, people didn't think was a great PR look at the time. And that may have caused some kind of friction in the locker room or with Luke and the coaching staff. What is it like now? Because it seems as if this might be coming to a head. We see rumors all throughout the NBA landscape that Buddy's unhappy and he's he may want out next season. What's the what's the vibe in the locker room? I've always told them, you know, to continue to stay professional because the NBA is looking and the last thing you want for, for Buddy is to be considered a diva like a Jimmy Butler because let's be honest, he, he doesn't have that Jimmy Butler uh, clout per se. No. Uh, he don't have to take accolades. And that still looks bad on Jay Butler. So just imagine what it would look on Buddy Hill, who, who hasn't very outspoken this year. And I just think he should. And, and he is a great teammate. It's just sometimes that could potentially rub guys off the wrong way. I know a lot of media members that are not happy. Obviously, I don't care what other media members think. But at the end of the day, for the people who don't know Buddy, like you guys and like us, it does come across as being a diva and, and being a loudmouth, but as we know, he's just a guy that speaks his emotions and wears his emotions on the sleeve. And Bahamian people speak their minds, so it's that is just true. more so knowing the culture, right? Yeah, it's just two things about Bahamian people speaking your mind and just wearing your emotions on your sleeve because we ain't, we're not going to hide that from you. We're going to let you know straight up how it is. And I do know, like, going to a couple games this year in the Sacramento locker room, you have some of the reporters, and, and Buddy always questions them, like, what are you here for? Are you here for your clicks, or are you here for to cover the team? Yeah. Like, and Buddy will always 
question a reporter or something like that, and the reporters just don't like it. It just irks them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know how it is, man. So, the the thing about it is, like, with this with this continuing. The Kings actually, well, prior to this last game, they were actually doing pretty well in the standings. And since Buddy made the move to the bench on January 24th, I think it was, the Kings had actually been winning and found themselves somewhat back into the playoff race. So you've had people balancing, well, what's better for the team or better for him as an individual? Do you think this winning can continue with the current state of how Luke has this rotations going, or do you say, you know what, enough's been enough, let's get back to what we were doing before? I would personally start him with Bogey, but that's just how I think. Uh, I always think about dribbling down on restraints, which is running fast and shooting the basketball. But in this role, again, I think it's okay to come off the bench. I just don't think it's okay to play less than 30 minutes a game. Yeah. So, you know, that's completely, I think, disrespectful to a guy who puts in the work, a guy who's your best bucket. And that, and I think that's where his frustration lies. Because both him and Bogey, obviously, they're both shooting guards, but they're both, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're best friends on this team and guys that they mutually have respect for each other. So there is no animosity at the position. Again, it's more so them playing together, and they should be playing together because they're both very good at what they do. And they both compliment each other, and, they, and ultimately, they both compliment Darren Fox. But um, and and I think a major reason why the Kings are winning is not because Buddy's come off the bench; it's because Darren Fox has been great the past two months. But I think, um, like you're saying with Bogey, Bogey could almost, and <laughs> I know it's going to be a sore spot, but he could be almost like a Luka Doncic for this team. You could slide him on a small lineup for the three position to handle the ball per se. But it doesn't seem like Luke understands that you could have three great guards on the team with Rashard Holmes, who is, who I've been saying from the beginning of the season should have been a starter before um, Dwayne Dedman. And then you have um, Alex Lynn. Lynn, um, he's doing well off the bench. Like, you have these bigs that are fulfilling what they have to do. But I really feel that if you had the small ball guard lineup, you'll be able to, to get better shots off. I mean, what does, what does Luke... I, I just don't know. Does Luke do, does he know basketball? Or is he too used <laughs> I think, to, to? I think he might know to, basketball. To Golden State having Steph Curry, Draymond, and Clay Thompson, you know, he might know basketball. Yeah. I, again, check this out. Buddy has Buddy has had more responsibility as a as a ball handler this year than Bogdan Bogdanovich, which again. It's, it's ridiculous because Buddy is a guy that needs to come off the of screens with the live dribble to get to a bucket, not to initiate an offense. At the end of the day, though, if you're not a strong coach in the sense of, of a strong personality to tell Buddy, hey, dude, if you don't do what I do, I'm going to keep benching you. So what he does is he waits until Buddy turns the ball over to bench him. And then Buddy's mad rather than being transparent and saying, bro, I don't want you doing this. Go do this. And again, you should not be handling the ball more than Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, but that again, that's that's called coaching to me. And I, I just feel like it's set up to fail, man. It's, it's really unfortunate. Uh, our most important question is. Do we know who this fan is, that yes. great fan is? We need you to do some investigative journalism. You have to find him. Find out who he is because we got to send him some 10th oh, year seniors gear. We know who his friend is, but this guy don't have a, 
he might have a Facebook, but it's probably private. Um, he don't have social media though. Listen, this friend said this is not. This is now the most important part of the King season. We, we need to find this guy. This is going to be an endless search. If we have to come to Sacramento, we will. We have to find him and make him an honorary Bahamian. This is our guy now. Yeah. I, you, know, you know what's funny, though? Because when that guy, and I don't know who he is, but he was yelling, and he, you could tell that Corey Joseph was laughing. In that, in that clip? Really? Yeah, he was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, Buddy, they, they like, took the camera off Buddy, but I'm sure Buddy probably smiles. Also, like, Gr- and, like, Grant Napier needs to shut up in that moment. Yeah, just um, just let the audio go yeah, because it was a great moment. The comedic timing was perfect. Yeah. The arena was quiet. It's what the people needed to hear, and Grant Napier is trying to talk over this great, like, hot take. It's not even a hot take. Okay. It's just reality. Of like, course. Grant's job is to cover Vladi and, like, cover Luke all the time. <laughs> All right, Leo. Appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, keep us up to date with King's coverage. Please keep tension sound in the locker room. Let people know where to follow you guys. Oh, yes, sure. Give out all the Cowbell Kingdom ha- handles so everybody knows where they can find you guys. They can follow us at Cowbell underscore Kingdom, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, they, they can subscribe on YouTube for King's coverage, NBA coverage uh, as a whole. And uh, we're uh, we're coaching AU basketball now, man. So that's what's up. U15. We uh, had our first practice yesterday, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully, I don't turn into Luke Walton. <laughs> and, no, know your personnel. Like uh, Kirk Snyder from Jazz, or you know, Greg Popovich type stuff. <laughs> All right, so we might have to send you some young Bahamian talent then. You coaching U15s? Oh, please, please. I I definitely need the size and the athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, appreciate you joining us on the pod. All right, guys, thank you. All right, so Tej jo- rejoins us in the studio. Gang, Just gang. got off the call with Cowbell Kingdom. Everybody in Sacramento seems to be incensed. I want to blow this out of proportion, much like coronavirus coverage, because it's equally as important to us. It's very timely. It's like, first of all, everyone, like, first of all, Buddy got his money. Like, let's just put it that way, regardless of what anyone wants to say. Buddy got paid. And there's a reason why, as you were talking before, this is why players get their money when they can. Because in one second, they will ditch you like there's no tomorrow. Listen, drain these organizations for every dollar you can get. Because when the tides turns and they decide that you are not in their plans or you don't want to, they don't want to use you in the way that you think you should be used, no one feels sorry for the player. Nobody cares. So every time contract negotiations come up, I want these dudes to get their money. I wonder how does it behoove the organization to do this to Buddy, to not play him. It, they're, they're not helping themselves, and they're not hurting him because he already got his money. I could see if his contract was coming up, and they're trying to kill his numbers. That's the only thing I could think of. The only plausible explanation can be maybe this hurts him from hitting some of those marks with the incentives, but. and we don't have to give up a couple extra mil. But if you look at his incentives, I mean, he has a standard, like, all-NBA, all-defensive team incentives. And then other than that, the most money he has to gain is the playoff incentives. So they're not really hurting him there. Like, I don't understand what they're trying to do. I don't know if they're trying to kill his trade value, which doesn't make sense if they don't want him. I'm not, like, I don't... They lost the game because they didn't play him in the fourth quarter, and then... They played. Uh, they played Bogdanovich. He was what? 0 for. 0 for four. Four. No, no, no. That was um. Barely, uh, uh, 
Bielitsa. Bielitsa was over four. Bogdanovich was one, one for, for four. Six. Yeah, something like that. It wasn't he was good. He was three for eight. This is the argument I have with Kings fans since that night because they were like, "Well, he wasn't making any shots, but he was three for eight. Nobody else shot better than that." Here's the problem with Kings fans right now, and it's going back to what the media does with coronavirus. They're blowing it out of proportion that Buddy Hill cannot play defense and he doesn't take care of the he ball, right? He has somehow right? become the scapegoat yeah. in Sacramento. So everyone is just Not Marvin now, Bagley for some reason. Yeah. Every, who's been injured all year. Well, it's like, oh, he makes a turnover in the first quarter. Oh, he couldn't handle the ball properly. His assist-to-turnover ratio is not bad. Y'all ever see Clay be handling the ball for Golden State yeah. no matter who's injured? No, the, the man scored give you 40, 40 points off 11 dribbles. Three dribbles. That's, what, that's he, what it'll do. He's not a ball handler. That's why they have Corey Joseph and they have De'Aaron Fox. They have those guys and Bogdan to a certain extent. And they had more turnovers in them too in that game because somebody said it too. Well, he just kept turning the ball over. He had two turnovers. You can't that, turn the ball over when you're on the bench. Well, he had two <laughs> and they had three, so I don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. Like, the, the, my biggest issue with it is, and I think Luke kind of gave himself away after that game that – I don't know if this is just a straight-up basketball decision because, to me, it seems more personal because he says, you know, we went with our guys that were scoring. Great. That's all fine and good. But then he said we were going to get Buddy in, but Bogey turned it around. And I'm like, I look at his numbers. When did he turn it around? He had nine points. What do you mean he turned it around? At what point did he really start clicking and he was driving this offense? And I just won three made for the entire game. And that I don't get because in the fourth quarter, right? And we understand the rotation lately has been Bazemore's been getting the game before the new Etwan Moore, so we hate him. But it's just like. Not definitely not yeah, like Bazemore. So I was watching and I always message now because Buddy usually came in at the six minute mark of the game. Now he's starting to come in at the two minute mark in the first quarter. So it's like his minutes are getting slashed. And me being a stats person, since I'm not. Literally, he's averaging Bazemore's averaging 28 minutes a game now, and Buddy went from averaging 31 minutes a game to 24. You know what somebody? You know what a Kings fan told me? They said Bazemore is single-handedly keeping them in the playoff. Oh hunt. my Jesus! Christ. Bazemore with his 41 field goal percentage and his 10 point average is uh, is keep not not the leading scorer on the team. You know what? I just found out today. Harrison Barnes and Buddy has the same stats. Yeah. Buddy has better stats. It's amazing. Harrison Barnes not out rebounding, buddy. He does statistically speaking. Wait, he's six not nine. Doing, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, statistically speaking, he's not doing anything better than Buddy. Has started all sixty four games. But it it brought up a good point though. Like like you were saying off mic, if you don't have your number two pick that was supposed to be the linchpin of your core, he's supposed to be your four or five tweener kind of guy. Why not go small? Slide Harrison oh. Barnes to four. Play Fox, Buddy, and Bogdanovich. Because they're fucking... They're losing. Like, they're they're losing no matter what. Like, they're not... They're the Kings, so they're going to Kings. If I lose... I lose playing cool basketball. I don't lose with Bielitsa and his six... It's not like he's... I don't think he's that much of a better rebounder than him, Buddy. He's 6'10". He's averaging, what, six rebounds a game? He's a great stretch four to bring in off the bench. Yeah. He's, he's a stretch, stretch four. four. You go stretch five. You go five out. You drive... You create driving lanes for Fox and Buddy and Barnes. And you go five out, but I don't understand. I don't understand why. And it's not like he's locking out a paint. He's not like a great defender. He's not even a good defender. None of them are. The only so, good one is who John mentioned, Rashawn Holmes. You play him with, with those guys, and that'll work. That speed. I that, like that's, him. That's a, the pace. The the pace you need to be able to run up and down the court. You put Buddy Fox, Bogey, um, Barnes, 
and Holmes on the floor, you could run up and down the court the whole no, game. I like Holmes. He's like the perfect. He can't shoot worth a damn, but he's like the perfect like modern five man. Like in terms of just diving, getting rebounds, being active in the paint, he should play more too. Honestly, he knows his role. That's the yeah. that's the best part he's of him. Really good. It's not like when Bagley's on the floor. Bagley's gonna try to create his own shot, and he's doing too much. He's posting up, uh, a lot yeah, too, and he, yeah, and he's not he's not effective where Holmes is attacking the boards. He, he's he's doing what he's good at. Them hustle plays. Honest. So go ahead. I just want to. I just want to say. I feel like this is the last time we should be discussing trying to fix the situation because I don't know about y'all oh, too, but I am out on Sacramento. I know how to fix the situation. I'm out, dog. Like, Trade I, buddy. Yeah, like I. I am Sixers. just at the point right now where I just want him gone. I don't think there's any redemption found in this. I feel like they may have damaged this relationship beyond reproach because. They say winning fixes all things in the NBA. Willis ain't a team that's winning. It's Sacramento. They're not going to win. Here's, exactly. Here's so the crazy I feel thing. like I just want him out of there. One, to be free of the situation and to be used in a role properly like he should. And two, to play some meaningful basketball. At the beginning of the season, everyone was projecting the Kings to make the playoffs. Right? So now all of a sudden you have the Pelicans and Grizzlies who are over them in the playoffs standings pretty much. Like two teams that no one expected to be this good. But it'd be good on the Grizzlies. Yeah, no, the Grizzlies, I mean, they've been building it, and Jam around is just a player. Like, see what happens when you use your players how you're supposed to? Because they go, they, see, I think the Kings, they always had, ever since the Stojakovic, Chris Webber era, they always felt like they were one or two guys away. We get this guy, and we got that guy. They always feel like they're right there. So instead of saying, all right, we, we got these young guys, we're going to let them go. They they kind of they kind of they act like a team that that's contending and they're not contending. They gotta let every vestige go and just let let Buddy healed and let De'Aaron Fox go. Like remember, uh, was it um Fox's first year when he didn't start? Yeah. Like they they did like they did they acted like they're a good team. They're not a good team, and you need to do radical things when you're a bad team. Like give your team to John Morant. Like let uh Zion Williamson like let him play like, like draft Luca like draft Luca Dantage <laughs> like it's you like the day they act like they I don't know who, like I don't know if it's Vladi Divac I don't know if he thinks he's right out of the glory days but they act like they're a good team and they're not and they're not gonna be a good team if they keep doing stuff like this no and just think of this the Warriors next year are gonna have a top five pick scary hours it's just like so whatever the eight team is like who's fighting for that yeah. eight spot and this this is what going. We, this is what we were saying last year we were like yeah they were right there on the cusp of the playoffs but we knew the lakers were coming back this year yeah like, you knew that was gonna happen so i mean I think, you got the lakers the clippers and the warriors who are going to be stacked next year it's funny what you said about this being should be fun that should be fun and memphis is good now like it's crazy. It's crazy. What you said about being out on that team, I watched that game on Sunday. I think it went into the fourth quarter. I watched it for about five minutes, and I realized he wasn't he wasn't going in the game. And I went to bed. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been doing the same thing. And then I'd wake up to the alerts from John because John is keeping track, and he's been like the one of the strongest voices of how much we actually you both have been two of the strongest voices on how much we should all hate the Kings and. Like I said, I'm done. I don't want us to discuss how to fix this anymore. The only time I want us discussing Buddy is when we talk about what the next move is going to be. So, Bench Yamaha has to officially be the wave. I'm hashtagging it in everything. Things that have nothing to do with the Kings or basketball. Bench Yamaha is the wave. Y'all want to bench somebody? Luke, bench Yamaha. But it just don't... Like, how about that? The whole 
off season, right? It was the buddy drama, right? Uh, what they'll call buddy drama and us saying buddy just wanted to get paid. He wanted to be financially secured for the rest of his life. What's wrong with wanting to get paid? Nothing wrong. But people are turning that into buddy's turn into a diva. It's just like, no, you get what you deserve when it comes to, to Everybody basketball. Everybody hates to see these athletes get paid so much, but nobody cares when a coach gets a new contract. Nobody knows how much Vivek is making in this, but everybody is really butthurt about how the money on the salary cap is spent. I don't understand that. I don't understand that either because players, these guys, they work their entire lives to become the best. Buddy is like one of the best 100 basketball players in the world out of like billions of people play basketball. He's one of the best like 100 in the world. He busted his ass. He did things people would never do to become this good, to be able to get this money for about, what, five, six, seven, eight years of his life? Yeah. Vivek is going to profit from this team until he dies. Uh, as long as he wants to keep it. Yeah. Until he feels like selling it. And then it. when he sells it, he'll sell it for probably exactly. 200% of what he bought it. He bought it for, what, a billion? He'll, sell it. Say, he'll yeah. sell it for five billion. Or, or he dies and he passes it on to his kids and his kids profit off of Buddy's hard work until they die. Or even if they want to get Luke up out of there, I am sure Luke is going to be well compensated yeah. if they feel like they need to like, terminate You know what contract. my dream is? Hey, NBA, let me be a coach and suck, but then y'all buy me out for $10 million and I straight for life. You know what I want to, you know what I always wanted awesome. to be? You know what I always wanted to be in the NBA? I wanted to be like a coach's son. Like that a, seems like a great deal. Like a coach's son uh, who is kind of butter basketball, so there's no like real pressure for me to. So a coach's son, but who I am now. Brad Cal. Yeah, yeah Brad Cal. Just sit on the back of the Saul bench Smith. and make money. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Byron Scott's son. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is like Thomas coached the the Cleveland G League team when Byron was in. Uh, <laughs> nice. Was in Cleveland. I want to be a coach's son because I know I will always have a job. Chris Cody. BJ Bickerstaff, like BJ, like which I think is equality. You could be like mediocre and just have a. You could be black and mediocre and just have a job off your name. Like, it's like equality. Should I mean I know everyone's questioned Luke, but we should have really questioned him because everyone gave him a blight that first game against the Suns when they were up by like twenty points and lost. I never gave him a blight. That no. literally is the season. Yeah, I never gave him a blight. Like he showed us the entire season the first game. Even when they got him, I and I remember us having this discussion, and I thought. Well, you could actually see where Jaeger was making strides with this team. I mean, I know they had issues or whatever, but you could see the progression in this team. There's no evidence that Luke Walton is a good coach. He took over the greatest talent we've ever seen assembled on one NBA team, and they just continued the run that they were always having, and somehow that got attached to Luke. I don't know how. He went to the Lakers, he was crap, and now he's in Sacramento and he's crap. So where is this evidence that Luke Walton should continue Can getting we these head coaching Luke? jobs? We should bench Luke. You know what? Bench Luke. How about that? Get Kenny Atkinson. He's available. He'll probably be better. Also, Kenny Atkinson. He's very much better. Like, it's not even close. You know what's crazy that I'm hearing, though? It's just like, it was between Monty Williams and wow. Luke. And it's just like, bro, hold on. Y'all had a chance to get Monty Williams because uh. I could tell you last season with Igor in the Suns, like, the culture just didn't yeah. feel anything. Igor's but when probably I, better suited as an assistant. When I went to that first game of Phoenix, I could just feel like everything's different. And I was talking to people on the, no, the Suns organization like, and they were just like, yeah, no, everything's changed. Like, it's a whole new thing. And you could just, you could feel it. Like, you go to, to Sacramento, it's just like, hmm. Yeah, Luke. But you, you know what I heard when they hired Luke, though? I heard they really were enamored with the Warriors and they really wanted to be like the Warriors uh Desert San Francisco. Yeah, yeah it's, great. It's, they it's had only three, like an hour and a half away. That's fine. They had three of the greatest shooters we've ever seen. 
So I mean, yeah, yeah. So so it's kind of it's kind of easy. Imagine you, putting Buddy on that Warriors. Yeah, you have Steph, Katie, and Clay. Twenty-five. Shit is kind of different. Yeah, well, I think they they wanted like a vestige of that war. They wanted to they wanted to sniff some of that Warriors greatness. So they decided to hire Luke Walton, the old Warriors assistant coach, uh, on their team, which didn't make any sense. Also, by the way, Kenny Atkinson White. Did you know that? Yeah, I didn't know that. Wh- what? Kenny Atkinson? Yes. Does, didn't he play backup point guard for the? The, Askins, the Pistons. No. It's you know what That's he he has the name of somebody that played during the early Miami Heat Orlando Magic he's era like a that bald, came off the bench. He's a bald backup point guard with a goatee. He was like six foot one. <laughs> I'm sure Kenny he is. Ask, yes. You know what? Because last week's podcast get got lost in in the shuffle, lost in translation. That actually worked out perfectly. We benched last week's podcast. We benched that podcast, and no one got to hear us apologize. To the Rockets for being so hard on them, but now, now it ass. pivoted in the reverse direction. <laughs> so ass. now that never has to be out there. We were totally right about the Rockets. <laughs> that shit can't work. It's horrible. It's such a bad plan. Such a bad plan. I think Bomani Jones said it though. You don't think if it could work with a bunch of guys under six foot five, that it would somebody would have happened already? Because if it's one thing that we have, is a bunch of guys under six five who could play. But you know what's crazy is like if you were to think of a team that could have done it. And it wouldn't. It, no, they're not on the six five. It's the Warriors who could shoot the ball lights out like that. Because yeah. you got Draymond, you got Steph Curry, Clay. They have listed as six five now. But, but but then you got Kevin Durant. But even yeah, I was about to say <laughs> they got the most athletic seven footer we've ever seen. But even them at times to set the tone in those games, it would be we're going down to Javale McGee just to get shit started. And Javale would start a game off five or six from the field. All of a sudden, the Warriors get this rhythm established in the first quarter, and then defensively, it it provided rim protection there's no benefit to what the Rockets are doing they're playing faster but yeah you're now missing all your threes but see the thing the difference between the Warriors and the Rockets is Shooting's that not as good right away I was gonna say they have two of the greatest shooters not even at any position just ever? the greatest shooters ever so the space you have also Kevin Durant was seven feet tall so just the space you have is entirely different because they just somebody just decided that we're gonna sag off Russell Westbrook and who knew uh it's not working but even so, Russell was still – he was still getting his numbers. He was still doing his thing. But what happens when the Rockets have this collapse like they did against the Warriors that time in the playoffs and now seems more commonplace because it was against the Clippers that they shot like a historically bad percentage and then they had this horrible loss to the Knicks and then it was another bad loss to – I think it was to Orlando – and now it seems like the wheels are going to fall off the Rockets thing, which was cute when they went on that 12-2 and two stretch. But I think everyone's question was sustainability. How is this going to work over an extended period of time? And more importantly, how is it going to work in the playoffs? And the thing is, when you have those little dudes, you could wear them out. They might, they might have that hot stretch, but those bodies get beaten up. And that's the thing about P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is, what, 35? Yeah. And he's 6'5". He has to bang with centers. He could give you. He could do that in a short game sample in spurts. He could bang six ten guys, but doing in it playoffs maybe, and that's it. Maybe, maybe not in not, not even, even in the playoffs, playoffs but because just, then you got to see those same people over and over again, and that always makes it tougher. Even on greats like Giannis and LeBron, it's tougher. Just yeah, in spurts he could do that, but you can't do that every night against starting NBA centers playing starting minutes. You do that thirty minutes a night, you're gonna die. Like, even the Warriors, <laughs> you're going to die. die. You're going to die. CTE is going to happen in basketball no, for, the, for, real. for the Rockets. Even like um, even with the Warriors, when they went against LeBron, their strength was they could just throw guys. They could throw strong, tall, long-rangey guys at him. 
just in waves. Because you can't go one-on-one with LeBron. And LeBron isn't a 7-foot-tall, 260-pound dude. So, so those dudes are getting worn out. And I, I don't, like, it's, it's unsustainable. Which we trade, trade Buddy to the Rockets. If it's right in. Listen, I all for Buddy going anywhere. Like, forget this crap. But speaking, speaking of LeBron, I wanted to get both of your takes on the fact that I think the media kind of reinserted him into this MVP race. Like, for most of the season, up until, I would say, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, it was just a foregone conclusion that Giannis is it. Giannis is the MVP. That's the end of it. We don't really have anything much to discuss other than who's going to win the finals and the playoffs. But MVP was sewn up. I don't get that. But now... LeBron is up there in this, the discussion, back-to-back games. You beat the Bucks head-to-head going with Giannis. You beat the Clippers head-to-head with Kawhi. The Lakers are, what, maybe a game or two out of having the best overall record now because Giannis is out and the Bucks are losing games. So now LeBron's name is legitimately in the MVP conversation. I really wish that they did, like, blind media voting where they put up the stats of just the players with no names or whatever it is, and then they vote based on that because LeBron James will win MVP every year. LeBron James should and would win MVP every year. Um, he's the MVP of like the past two decades. But I mean, is this the best player? Or is this the MVP? Because I mean, that team around Giannis, that ain't that good. That's not a good team. No, no, it's not. And they're a better defensive team than the Lakers. I'm not sure about their offensive stats, but they're they better defensive. They, defensively speaking, best team in the league. And I think they still have a better record so far, right? Yeah, but it's it's really close now because Giannis missed the last two games, and I think he's gonna be. I think he's missing the next one as well. So ob- obviously not the same team. But they with already Giannis got a playoff there. spot. They and wrapped that, it up. They don't care. Yeah, and that's what kind of it's. This is kind of glaringly obvious what they would be like if Giannis is not there. And then like LeBron doesn't even lead the Lakers in points. That and well, like, that's that's everyone's biggest argument. And with it's it. twenty five point seven though. That's the biggest argument with it is well. The guy next to LeBron is AD. The guy next to Giannis is Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is a good player, but yeah, he isn't, he's not AD. He's, AD. he's not all. Yeah, he's not an All NBA team these, kind of player. These numbers are ridiculous. Though. No, listen, I'm not discrediting what LeBron. I actually think it's a good conversation to have, and if either one of them gets it, I'm not going to be mad at it. My thing is maybe we shouldn't be so decisive Do about you, it so early because there's a lot of season left to go. Should the NBA go like baseball-wise where you have a... Nobody West should do anything that baseball does. Except cheat like the Astros. But... I like yeah, that. I like, that. Um, I like that. Steroids. I'm talking about just the Western Conference MVP and the Eastern Conference MVP. No. Nah. Hate it. Nah, because I... But you know I what? Mean, I hate baseball's whole different league thing I, anyway. I get the whole thing, but at the same time, if you look at it, right, the West is stronger this year. I don't think it, it is. The West is stronger this year. It's top heavy, but, but is it stronger? I'm gonna go back. Ronaldo's wrong. The the West is stronger. Is it this stronger year. one to eight though? Yes. It's top heavy. Uh, I'll I mean, let check that again, John. The, let me the, check. The Kings, I'm right. You're wrong. The, the um, Kings are in the hunt, though. I mean, I don't the, know. Okay. Yeah. Let's. let's I, don't, think I don't think any league where the Kings are in the hunt. But is, I'm just saying, you have LeBron then playing the better teams, and Giannis is playing like the Knicks. I mean, there's some trash teams in the West, too, though. Like the Kings. Like the Kings. Like, fuck the Kings. Very, I hate them. Um, but, um, but the thing, I mean, what John is saying about having an East MVP and a West MVP, it wouldn't make sense now because the NBA is already trying to kind of delineate the East and the West. Yeah. They're talking about having, like, just a playoff, just a straight-up playoff seed, one through whatever, well, 16 yeah. or whatever. So, I mean... 
like we all know that it's because of travel yeah. is why they had an Eastern Conference yeah. and Western Conference because it was just too much. Heck, now they could pretty much say, you know what? You every it. team's going to play every team three times a year. But, but they're trying to break down those divisions. I don't think having an East MVP and a West MVP kind of that helps what they're trying to do. That's why they changed the All-Star game format. I just love the fact that LeBron really worked himself back into this conversation, and I think it's amazing, and I've been saying it the last couple of years, and I think it's true. The average fan doesn't appreciate it, and they are going to miss all of this when it's gone because you really have got to realize and put it into perspective that this is this man's 17th year in the league, and he is a 6'9", 6'10", small forward that's leading the league in assists right now. He is? Yeah, yeah 10.6 like, or something like, like that. That is insane. That is insane. He's aging like nobody we've ever seen before. And a lot of people were ready to say last year after the groin injury, well, this is where the breakdown starts to happen. Not so fast. There's one thing I was never ready to do. It was to discount LeBron. Like, I would never... What else does he have to do? I need to see it. Like, no, for me to be like, oh, no, he's done. He's Like, I need to see it happen first. And he needs to announce his retirement and then sit out a couple seasons, and then I could decisively say that okay, that's he, it. He might be done. See, the Bucks are nineteen and seven against the West this year. The Lakers are thirty-three and seven. I also want us to take into account that two of those losses came recently without Giannis. And the Eastern, the thirty-four and five. And the Lakers are 16 and 6. Devontae you know, Graham is like. You can only play who on the schedule, dog. Eighth in the league in a sense. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't well. know what to tell you. But hey, listen, I think it, there is going to be a whole lot about the MVP races going that has yet to be decided. So let's wait and see how it's going to be decided. Are they Bradley still Beal averaging 30 points a game? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Somebody got to get the buckets on that team. Yeah, he's which bring which brings up a Draymond conversation that we were having yesterday. Like it's really an indictment that you know what? Let's just go to that this whole Draymond Charles Barkley thing, right? Shut up. Yeah, because usually I like to tell Charles Barkley shut up because he tends to be. I hate when he's always the 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 one voice in the room that's that's sensible. No, but he's not always sensible. He tends to sometimes skew towards that back in my day, 80s, 90s basketball kind of guy that doesn't appreciate everything that's happening now, especially with the way that the game was changing. Because I remember when the Warriors dynasty first started popping up, and he used to kill that religiously. Like, this is never going to win you a championship. This is not the way basketball is played, blah, 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 blah. So he was the proponent of that. And I think that's where a lot of the him and Draymond stuff started then. But Draymond off base with this one, dog. Yeah, no, he definitely, like, I hate the whole arg- and the whole argument of, well, he got no rings, come check. It's just like, shut up, man. You got rings because of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and freaking uh, Kevin Durant. Barkley was a whole MVP out here. Like, yeah. MVP of the league that had Michael Jordan in it. Let's put it this way. What? Barkley's in the Hall of Fame, right? Yes. Was he first ballot? Yes. I don't think Draymond's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think Draymond's a Hall of Famer, period. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. I think he's on a Dennis Rodman team. Where, like, he's not an MVP guy. He's a role player. He's one of the greatest role players ever. But, I mean, I don't know. Can they both be right and wrong? No. This is all I'm saying, right? Like, and he took offense to Barkley saying he got a triple single 
Well, you're averaging a triple single. Like, you just talked about Bradley Beal and saying, and this is something that people always say in the NBA, even on bad teams, somebody's got to get those points and get those reps, Golden right? bad right now. How is Draymond Green averaging 8-6-6? Six, and six? Nah, you need to get some rebounds or something. This is what I'm saying, dog. <laughs> you gotta like, get on the boards. Like dog. you actually are playing like us. Like, you're the focal point of the team. Like right I now. understand, yeah, I understand if you're not gonna score, but you gotta, you gotta get some. Well, them dudes, I don't know how much assistance this, you get playing with them dudes, but you gotta get on the boards. That's fair, fair enough. But I figure, you know what? Use the season as a time saying I am going to work on some holes in my game. So yeah. when our team comes back next work. year. I'm going to be a better threat. So I figured that's what he would do and be more of an offensive threat. Yeah, be more like a shot creator. I actually had to go and look up his numbers when this whole thing was going on because I'm like, is he really playing that bad? And then I saw it and I was like, oh, eight, six, and six. Eight, six, and six. What the hell are you doing? Like, Chuck wasn't wrong, but to, like John said, to go to the, oh, you don't have rings, you're not qualified to that's talk a, basketball. That's a weak argument. It's, it's Charles Barkley, though. It's a weak-ass argument, but if I was Draymond Green and if I was in that same position, I would do the same thing. Because like Draymond Green, I am an asshole, and I would do this. And yeah. you both would just be yeah, really just, wrong. Yeah, because you could, pick, you could pick that fight with a lot of people, but I don't think the no rings things works in this conversation, oh, in doesn't. this context. Like, oh. it, it works when, when sometimes Kenny and Chuck are taking those jabs at him, right? Yeah. But in this context... You can't say he can't talk basketball with you because it's Charles fucking Barkley. Yeah. No, 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 no. He's absolutely wrong. Don't get me. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think he's correct at all. He's absolutely wrong for this. And he should be taking this season. He should be a ball hog. Like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand my Carmelo Anthony game. But with that said, I would smack talk Charles Barkley every chance I got. Especially like how he gave them all kinds of shit when they were like ascendant. I would never let it die. But I'm, like I said, asshole. Me. Yeah, but the whole thing, a lot of people were wishing for this Warriors thing to fail just based on the fact that they didn't want this to be the norm in the NBA. Bro, I just wanted him to be better this year because I feel like Steph and Clay are going to need him to be better next year. So that was my whole reasoning behind it. Like, speaking, be better next year. Speaking of the Warriors thing, I'm sorry, this is random, but a couple of weeks ago, Durant gave an argument, uh, gave an interview, and he talked about how people talked about them on the Warriors and he was like, yeah, well, you know, they wanted it to break up. It's like, you broke it up. You wanted it to break up. Yeah, like, you, you did it. What are you talking about? You did it. You know, let's, that was going to be the next topic. Let's just go to Lehman's. Before we get to that, oh, Barkley's worst season was his rookie year at 14 points, five rebounds, eight rebounds a game. Sorry. Shit, that's Draymond's best season. <laughs> I don't it's think Draymond like, ever averaged 14. Barkley- yeah, the, um, I think that was the year that got him paid. His career yeah. high was that season. I think he got like 14 and Barkley's nine, last year in the NBA. Was 14.5 points, 10.5 rebounds. So when he a was completely double. washed with the Rockets with no cartilage in his knees, I think he didn't even have an Achilles tendon at that point. And he had a double-double. He was as good or better than Draymond. Yeah. Nice. It's just like, come on now. And yeah, that, I mean, that was crazy. Draymond got so much more money than him, though. So if, I don't know. Like, he probably... He, uh, does he, that TV yeah. money is something no. serious, bro. No, I mean... This no, Tony I mean, Romo money. No, what I'm saying is Draymond right now, he has so much more money than Barkley had as a player. Oh, he probably yeah, yeah, feels, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably well, feels like he could chill a little you bit. You never heard That's the, the story he where tried, Barkley's he, like, oh, when the person signed the million-dollar contract, all of us in the locker room were celebrating, like, oh, a million yeah, dollars. he tried to bring up the money thing, too. Um, but I'm like, yo, that TV money is forever. 
Oh, no, no. Like, I mean, these dudes get to talk and get paid millions to talk for a long time. You could be on TV until you like 70. Oh, where did Tony Romo? That TV money is no joke. That TV money ain't playing, bro. Tony Romo is now getting paid more to talk about quarterback than he got paid to be Draymond's a quarterback. Draymond's best year was 14, 9.5 rebounds, yeah, 7.4 that's, assists. That's, that's the one that got him paid. But every, I mean, I feel he's, like. He's a nine-point-a-year career average and i understand scoring is not his thing i understand being a great role player is his thing yeah, I'm he just ain't making all the fame not with i'm just guys. saying yo for this season we just needed to see a little bit more that's all i'm saying Even I, 15 and 9 would have been and average, it's, bro, average 10, 10 and 10 would have been fine just you just can't be averaging eight is all i'm saying just, like you can't talk shit in average eight you have like an 80 something million dollar contract you can't score eight points a game that's it that's it. That should be somewhere in NBA law. If you get paid over $80 million, you cannot average eight points a game. That's it. Three rings, though. Three rings, though. Yeah. Let's talk about Les Miserables. Them niggas. <laughs> they are so funny to me, dog, because a whole part of Kevin Durant's offseason thing was like, yeah, I like the culture in Brooklyn. Yeah, I like the way things are running in Brooklyn. They had, nobody expected that team to be so good last year, and they made the playoffs, and you could really see what Kenny Atkinson is doing. And before Kenny Atkinson had one opportunity to coach KD and Kyrie Irving, they got him the hell up out of there with 20 games left in the season. And you see who the front runner is now for the coach, Tyloo. <laughs> but what? What the hell? Wait, because Tyloo was having panic attacks. Ex- explain this to me, because the Nets right now, currently in the playoffs. Kenny Atkinson, widely regarded around the league as a good coach because of what he did with this team when they had a bunch of role players in D'Angelo Russell. And so you think, all right, somebody who's a good coach and did a lot with nothing or relatively speaking, you give him a shot with two all-NBA caliber players. No. I. um, What? We have to part with it. What is it? Was it a mutual agreement? Yeah, everyone's saying it was a mutual agreement to part with. They literally went to him and said, bro. We didn't want you no more. Do you? But okay. Do you all think this was KD and Kyrie? Yes, and I'm sure he. I was, think it was more Kyrie than KD. I'm sure it was Kyrie, but I'm sure he was like, you know what? Fuck these guys. And I feel like KD is a lot more involved than we think because KD was at odds with Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is like Mr. Rogers of the NBA. Like everybody loves Steve Kerr. Him and what Jordan? Jordan? They them, them dudes fought, and Jordan loved them. He played with yeah. like Rasheed Wallace and like Bonzi Wells, and them dudes loved him. Like, he's a universally beloved NBA figure, and Kevin Durant can get along with him. How are they? You know what this is? They got too much time on their hands. Yeah. Like, those are two dudes that should not have this much free time because they need to always be occupied with basketball. <laughs> They're just miserable and walking around bitching to everybody, and they got this mad You know fire. what they need? They need to be more like Clay Thompson with flip phones. The, not them two. <laughs> Kevin Durant they just is probably phones. he was on all his burner accounts, probably on all the Nets trashing forums, just trolling and trashing Atkinson at every turn. And him and Kyrie probably just contrived to get. I I just want to know why. I I does anybody have a theory on why well, Kyrie's they thought just this an asshole? Work? Like he's. The, I think they both are, which is no, why no, but I don't Kyrie's think, like the bigger asshole. I don't know. So? I don't. Yeah. Katie's pretty. I don't know. Katie's, Katie's pretty much a huge asshole. I'm going to say, as of right now, I feel that like Kyrie's a bigger asshole than Katie. Huh. I feel like they should now have this in their stats, though. Yeah. Like points, rebounds, Coaches. asshole. Who's, who's worse, Dwight Howard or them two? Oh, them two. I don't think Dwight Howard's an asshole. <laughs> that's funny given what half everything that's surrounded <laughs> Dw- 
Dwight Howard the last two years. Amazing how all of that got swept under the rug as soon as he became a Laker. Problem. And now became this lovable character again. Is he lovable? Yeah. yeah. Like, people love Dwight the Howard. The man was in year. a slam dunk I competition like, off I feel like air. a dunk contest fell flat. It, yeah. di- it did, but All the fact he did that was like, I'm going to recycle my dunks for my dunk contest. No, but think about the fact that nobody was killing him for it. It's like he's under the LeBron Laker wave of protection now. Nobody's Boy, that's getting a on serious, Howard. Wait, that's like... Because when you play with LeBron, he takes all of the criticism. Like, he, he's the lightning rod for everything. But after this Kobe thing, he's like immune to criticism too. Like, nobody's going to criticize LeBron. Boy, I don't know. And he's 35, playing at like an MVP. Boy, this is this is the most LeBron. this is the most heavily scrutinized athlete I think we've ever seen, ever. I don't know if that's gonna go anywhere. You know what? And this, you know what? This is how I know it's never gonna go anywhere because the night of the Kobe memorial, I was in chat groups where people saying Kobe wouldn't have lost that game, and that's when I said, you know what? I threw my hands up and I was like, fuck this! I'm never having these conversations with these people. These people know how many lotteries Kobe. I I always get in this argument. How many lotteries Kobe went to? Don't like, do it. Don't do lot. it. Don't do it. Anyway, yeah, uh, this dude dead. Do Think about this. Don't go back. This is what it's been seven years since the Lakers made the playoffs. Yeah. It so is. who was on those teams those years That's before? That's what I'm saying. Kobe went to a lot of lotteries. It just it just all didn't happen, John. It just he went to a lot of lotteries. It just all didn't happen, and this is one of the many reasons that I just but need LeBron. To the lose. sad thing about the Nets is the Nets they they were staying the course and they were building their teams the right way, even though they missed Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah, and they they built up a nice roster. And some assets. And they had assets. They had D'Angelo Russell, who was ascending. He was coming along. And they threw it all away to get Kyrie Irving and KD, which is a good gamble. Like, let's not be... No, I'm doing that gamble all the time. I'm doing that all the time. every team wanted Kevin Durant. Achilles injury and all. Everyone is just banking on the fact that modern medicine is going to make this better. You You get a chance to get those two, you do it. No, you do that. You do that every time, but... I just think you give Kenny Atkinson a chance to coach that. Who says he wanted a chance? Well, he... I would think he wanted a chance. They, I, they're pretty miserable, John. No, but... I feel like there may have been something where he just I, got tired. No. Imagine them two on the bench in their suits just being fuckboys the entire yeah, time. No, but I get it. By the same time, this dude literally took the deadest of the deadest <laughs> players from Brooklyn and made him into a team. Right. Like, you're, John, you're trying to tell me you're not going to have... an. An interest, an invested interest in John, trying to say, give me a shot. John, let me tell you something about coaching, about coaching fuckboys, right? As somebody who's coached fuckboys. I was about to ask, do you have experience with this? I do have experience with this. Comingos. There was one dude on our team last year. He's not here anymore. I think he could have came back, but for some reasons he didn't. If he came back... Maybe his assistant coach called reasons. him a fuckboy. Personal reasons. Maybe if he came back, I was fucking quitting. Like, I was going to quit. Like, I'm not, I was like, Bro, I'm not... Look, I'm around... Uh, with the basketball national team, a bunch of professionals. Trust me. These dudes aren't. Yeah, yeah, but I know how it is when it comes to the the people talking. Give them a shot. Like, is, is that like saying, for example, let's just say Aiden, uh, Buddy, Eric somehow got his passport, Jermaine Taylor got his, you know, and they're going for the Olympics. You think like if it's like if it's not Demarco coaching and they pick another coach, you don't think Mario could say, "Well, give me my chance." You can say if these dudes are being total assholes, Mario would be like, "Fuck these niggas, I'm on." <laughs> <laughs> these niggas, you niggas, fucking assholes. That's, exa- that's exactly. <laughs> but you're still a coach. I can't coach. You can say I can do it. Mario would be like, "I can't coach these motherfuckers." <laughs> he would. <absolutely laughs> he coaches them as he continues. As he, to, as he I can't coach these motherfuckers no more. 
Uh, real quick before we get out of here, we did talk LeBron. I forgot the, one of the best games of the season, uh, Lakers Clippers three. Still looking forward to still looking forward to this, right? Like that win obviously meant a whole lot more than the opening night win. Like Lakers Clippers is going to be everything we thought it was, but I do think there's an interesting thing in this game. I think the Clippers may have added too much to this rotation because there's only a really short time span for them to figure out the plan. Because it seems as if you you put Marcus Morris in there, you add Reggie Jackson into the mix, then you have to figure out some rotation things um, in your front court and on your wing. And I think Williams and Harold were very important for this team's second unit scoring and crunch time scoring. It did not look the same in that game. Man, the Lakers got the first round of the Western Conference playoffs to deal up, up until then to deal with it. And, and you know they're going to the shorten Clippers. that rotation to eight people I was no, the, off yeah, the bat. No, the like, Lakers are fine because I know... Waiters is coming to get buckets. The La- I'm not He's concerned... About Clippers, yeah, I'm not yeah. concerned about the Lakers oh. rotation because... Clippers? I, Clippers? You remember my... I didn't think from the beginning of the they season. They did too much. And then they also got Noah, who was... I assume they just got him solely for the purpose of annoying the Lakers not Davis. The Lakers not getting think about No, the, just to annoy AD. I think, think that's all it was. Think about the Clippers is they got all these guys and they can't shoot that good. Yeah. <laughs> they can't. Like the Battle of the Morris Brothers, Marcus went... We're going to have nine. to find the first podcast we did where I said... Because, you know, I have seen them play in person. Yeah, that's your thing. And that was the first game of the season. And I didn't feel the hype was there. And I thought, I said, you know what? Marcus Morris is going to come in with this approach. Like, he's still with the Knicks chucking up everything. And he really did. And it must have confused the hell out of Kawhi and PG in that game. Who's their best, like, floor spacer as a... The Clippers? Like, off the bench. Like, Shamit? Yeah, it's got to be Landry Shamit. Yeah. Him or Lou? It's got to be Shamit. He's their best shooter it's off like the bench. Shamit is their best shooter off the bench. Uh, Lou Williams is more like a pick and roll. Yeah. Get to the mid-range Yeah, he's got to have the ball in his hands. So they only got, I mean, they only got like one shooter off the bench. Does, uh, does Reggie Jackson count? And that's another thing because uh, Reggie Jackson is not a great three-point shooter. But you know who was that guy? A stretch for Jim Michael Green was doing a whole lot of that stuff. But now where does he fit into the rotation that you got to give minutes to Morris and you got to still find a way to give Harold his minutes. I don't I don't know. Maybe they do figure it out. Maybe this is all a moot point because you have PG and Kawhi. But I'm just saying there with not a lot of time left in the season, they got some chemistry issues and rotation issues they got to figure out. Kawhi looks kind of limp too, doesn't he? Like he, he just he I feel like he's up. just always going to look like that. Load management, that's why he does it. Load shedding. I like to continue calling it load shedding. Stale. Alright, I'll be That's how we ended. Gang gang. Alright, so the lesson for this week, Bench Yama. We are totally out on the Kings. Ben Yo, Shema. Mike Bloomberg is ben, out. Ben Mike Bloomberg is out of the presidential race. He, he got benched. Yeah, well we well, well I was I was Luke, trying to Luke, get a Luke, check. Ben.